Hello and welcome to season five, episode one of Maiden Voyage. New year, new you, same you but better. It's a time of year when both professionally and personally humans reset and restart. But how do you go about setting a goal? How do you know if that goal is any good? In this episode of Maiden Voyage, we discuss strategies and frameworks for setting goals and share some of our own objectives for 2021 and beyond. Women face unique challenges, from glass ceilings at work to everyday personal stressors. The Maiden Voyage podcast covers it all, offering tips and tricks for overcoming your struggles. While this lady-hosted podcast focuses heavily on women's issues, it's relevant for anyone who values self-improvement, equality, and badass inspiration. We all navigate this journey together. Welcome aboard. We did it! (laughs) We did it. We made it. Um, It is 2021, or as one of our colleagues would say, December 907th, 2020. Um, Some of us are not getting off to the greatest start. Some of us are. And we were talking about starting season five, how we wanted to kind of jump in, planning our you know, all the episodes we want to do of Maiden Voyage, how we want this season to go for all of our listeners. And it kind of led us down this path of like, do you set a New Year's resolution? And it was a polarizing question. Some of us are very into it. Some of us are not very into it. And so we thought, wow, this is a great opportunity to talk about the idea or the method of setting goals, um, both personally and professionally, and see kind of where we stand and perhaps provide some tips and tricks for our listeners who are still in 2020. (laughs) Uh, but are ready to kind of launch into 2021 at this point in like on the best foot possible. Uh, I think I'm one of the polarizing ends, whereas like I don't do New Year's resolutions. I think they are foolish and I have lots of articles to back up my proof and reasoning on that that I found. And the first I would like to point out, and then I will pass the mic, is that it is a terrible time of year to set a New Year's resolution. Let me tell you why. You just did your holiday season, right? The Hanukkahs, the Kwanzaas, the Christmasas of the world, okay? So like, we did it. I celebrate Hanukkah and Christmas in my household. And so I've been celebrating for four weeks. So I have cookies and cakes and stuffings and all these yummy leftovers in my fridge, right? And then I'm going to say to myself, you know what? I'm going to eat lettuce next week. So I'm wasting all these foods. I'm tempting myself with all these yummy foods that are still left over. Am I freezing them for what, like six months? No, I'm not doing that. I am cheating almost immediately on whatever health kick resolution I might have made because my mother-in-law sugar cookies are still in a Tupperware container on my counter and I'm eat those. So it's like a terrible time of year to decide I'm on a health kick. Like it's the worst. Then for those of us who do enjoy a cocktail or two, it's New Year's Eve and you are unleashing your 2020 woes on a several bottles of champagne, as you should have. You wake up the next day hungover AF and you're like, today's the day for kale. No, you eat a cheeseburger. So why now, here we go. Now it's January 4th, Monday, January 4th, new year, new me. Girl, year started four days ago, okay. So I think it's a terrible time of year to make massive changes to your daily life, in my humble opinion. And that's all I have to say about that. So Jackie, did you know that today, January 15th, as we record this podcast, is just two days away from National Quitters Day? And that makes so much more sense because I've had 15, 16, 17 days to wallow in the self-pity of my sugar cookie binge. 
You have, you have. Um, I feel like the 17th should also be, as a baker, I feel strongly about this, national throw away the Christmas cookies that are still leftover day. It's time, they've, they've seen better days. Um, I did freeze my extras this year though, Jackie. Um, and let me tell you how delightful it is to pull two out of the freezer and it enjoy is. them. Yes. 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 And sugar cookies specifically are great straight from the freezer. Like you don't have to let them fall out. Why you got to blow up my spot like that? I'm sorry. I'm just saying. I I mean, of course I thought them. I never eat frozen straight from the freezer. Um, But what's interesting is you jumped right in with the notion of New Year's resolutions as like highly restrictive, change everything all at once blank page type of goals. And I'm really glad we're having this conversation today because my hope is that we talk through some frameworks around goal setting that actually move away from that mindset. Because that mindset is what makes January 17th National Quitters Day. Mm -hmm. I can't, I'm not gonna not eat candy, like. Right, mm -hmm. I feel though our society Right. Like as soon as the Christmas is over, like every news channel is like 20 ways to lose X amount of pounds or find your new spouse now, or right. Like all these giant life changes are kind of pushed down your throat as we get to the beginning of the new year. And I agree with you, Julie, like I truly believe in like small changes over time amount to large successes. And that's how I kind of tackle my own life is like, I am not going to pay off all my college loans today, but I'm going to make small efforts every day to make smart decisions to allow myself to meet whatever that goal might be, financial, love, professional, whatever it is, personal. I'm going to answer all the emails in my inbox today so that it's not bogged down on Monday or whatever it might be. Yes. What about you guys? That. Are we are we like New Year's resolutioners? I feel like some of you are. I historically used to be. Um, this year I'm not. This is like a big change for me. Um, I think I'm just reaching a point where like we're talking about, I realized that I set these ambitious goals and I'm starting to break down the reasons why they're not happening and implement them slowly over time. Um, one thing that I do find interesting um, and I think we are chatting internally, one of our coworkers, Dan, picks a word every year for his um, intention for the year. And I do like that. And I'm actually still kind of like fiddling around on what I want to do because I did a word last year. But I really think that that is like the North Star for you to all year long set a theme of something that you want to work on incrementally. And I think that's a lot more achievable than setting like 10 very specific goals. And I am finding too that I think that people don't have realistic or necessarily healthy metrics that they assign to their goal. So like we talked about, they're saying, I want to lose X amount of pounds when in reality, they shouldn't really be measuring their health progress by a number on a scale, right. if that makes sense. Um, so I'm trying to creatively to think outside the box when I say that I want to set goals, what exactly that means. Yeah. Like you all know internally that I'm a huge reader and usually I assign like a number, like I want to read 25 books a year. 
And this year I'm kind of telling myself, okay, I want to try four different genres of books mm -hmm. and pick up like what speaks to me in those genres and stop trying to fit it all into this like neat little box of this is exactly what I'm doing. That feels very stressful to me having to read 25 books in a year. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a little over two, well, like two books a month and then like a third book another month. Um, so it is a lot. That's but a lot, I'm, yeah. I feel like we should also acknowledge that Jen reads her books on paper or I don't know if you read any of them on device, but you're not saying read a book and then listening to it on Audible while you're no. driving or no. like biking or something. You, you're you reading the words with your eyeballs. Yes. Which exactly. I feel like in this, this landscape of 2021, in and of itself is like, you go girl. So I, I also right. love that, Jen. And I will say that I have a paper book right next to me right now that I'm reading, like a real book, but I also have books on my phone. I can't read... Like I'm reading a business book in paper. I can't read a business book on my phone, on my, on my tablet. Like I have to like tactically do that for some reason, almost like in school. Like, I don't know if that is a normal thing or if I'm a weirdo, but. Oh, I mean, you know me, like I like writing in the books and yeah. side margins and circling and highlighting things. So that's where that comes in handy for me. Yeah. But I do understand that there are some type of books that are nice. Like this year is an exception for us, but when we previously did a lot of travel, like on the plane, it was nice to throw on an audiobook or something because if you get motion sickness while you're in the plane, no one wants to be like reading an actual book. But I think it's just a matter of instead of assigning myself this strict number that I hit some micro goals. I wanted yeah. to read some more classics this year. So I'm not going to assign a number to that, but I'm going to say, I'm going to read some classics or I'm going to read a few fictions or I'm going to read a few marketing books or set those goals and then be a little more flexible on what that means. I imagine I'd love to circle back with this in a few months. Like you might, I know you love to read, but I imagine it becomes quite a chore. So like you might find you're enjoying your intention of cha like challenging yourself with different genres and find maybe something that you wouldn't have found previously because you were just trying to push through books because there was like this number. Yeah. Yeah. I think like so. anything, right? Like any strict pattern you set for yourself it becomes like mundane and like it, it's it's not a goal anymore to chore almost if you stick with it, which I don't even stick with it, which is why I gave up New Year's resolutions like a long time ago. Right. What about you, Carissa? Um, I don't like to do New Year's resolutions. Um, I used to try to do them and then it, I think it's, it's so, it's so weird, but I, because I think personally, as far as like things I want to do, I will make decisions like on a dime, like, and it helps me to look at things on a weekly basis on what I want to accomplish personally. Professionally, I can plan things out for months, even a whole year, as far as like, you know, professional development stuff, like things I want to do, milestones I want to like reach. And I can do those um, if I have like a plan, but personally, like I just plan things one week at a time. It's especially whenever it comes to working out and how I eat, like I take that really seriously. And if I write out what I'm going to do for the week on a Sunday, I will do it. But if I plan like a month at a time, like if I say, oh, I'm going to do this whole six weeks program, like it's not going to happen. It won't. 
because I will get bored and I will drop it. But if I just think about things and refresh my brain a week at a time, it goes really smooth and I'm productive. So it's just, it's two different sides of my brain. I love that point. Yeah. Like analytical versus creative goals that you're trying to hit too. Yeah. Like I have to, and I have to be super, I can't say to myself, like at the beginning of, you know, like if I'm planning on Sunday, can't say, oh, I'm going to work out four times this week. They happening. I'm like, I need to lift weights like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I need to do cardio Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. If I go on a walk, fab. If not, I don't care. But it's like, I have the things that I need to get done and the food I need to eat to make sure that I can do those lifts and those workouts properly. So, um, and I'm getting back into that this year already. I know we're only 15 days in, but I'm getting back into it and it feels pretty good. So, I mean, if you make it after the 17th, you're pretty much good for the year. Apparently that's what the internet has told me is true. Um, so my thing with new year's resolutions is that a year is really long. It's, I mean, some years are longer than others, but a year is really long. And if I think about things that need to be achieved in a year, sometimes setting an annual goal makes sense right? As a company, we have an annual revenue goal. And the reason for that goal is not just because we want to grow to grow, but we want to grow in some specific areas and ways. And if we don't hit that goal and we don't have that amount of revenue to cover our expenses, we won't be able to do those things we want to do. But we break that goal up into monthly targets, into quarterly targets, into half year targets and things like that. And we know that during the year we might need to shift and pivot. Um, one of the things that I historically have struggled with, with this idea of like a smart goals framework is it's an amazing critical thinking exercise that makes you think through the details of achieving your goal and setting your goal. And it's a great like North star to set around but it's not always the most flexible way to think about your goal. So um, once upon a time, a hundred years ago in another life, I think, um, I worked for a CEO who set a company revenue goal. And it wasn't a goal of we're setting this goal to do these things to X, Y, and Z. It was a more of a goal of, well, I think we can grow this much this year. So we should grow this much this year. Uh, we came real close. We were within like tens of thousands of dollars of hitting the goal. And it was a big goal. It was, we were like 95% of the way to the goal. And, and he came back after the new year and he kind of sat us all down and he was like, so I spent my time over Christmas really like thinking about how we didn't hit this goal. And I was talking to my wife about it. And she said, you're crazy that you're upset because you quote unquote failed because look at how much you grew and you're forgetting about all of the things that you did and that you did accomplish because you put this number in place that you didn't hit. So when I think about a year is a really long time and a smart goal is like a really definitive framework. Sometimes I think that can set us up for failure because we don't, we don't hit the goal and that becomes the focus instead of we did all of these things and we got X percent of the way to this goal. 
Um, and then there's that whole mindset that goal should only be hit like 90% of the time or 75% of the time or whatever it is. Um, there's so much you could talk about with hitting goals and missing goals and things like that. But I think you do some of the best work when you have a goal, uh, whether it's personal or professional, but you should always have a goal with the understanding of this may not actually be something we accomplish. And this is the fallback of it. Yeah. And Oh, sorry, Jackie. You No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, this is exactly why, like, as, as a marketer and just like someone who likes project management in general, I love the concept of two week sprints and getting things done because you are looking at everything as a whole. You are planning at least like one to two weeks out before this sprint starts. You are calculating all of the points, all of the time, everything that's involved. You have, you have an unplanned projects bucket bucket. You have a miscellaneous bucket you're setting yourself up to not only get a checklist of things done, but to be prepared to combat what you're not expecting. And I think there's something like to be said about that as a whole, whenever you're thinking about how are you going to get like X amount of things done in a year? Like if you have this big, like goal of X at the end of the year, like professionally breaking it down so small into those increments, like Julie was mentioning earlier, like quarterly half year, like, but even down to like the two week sprint concept is how you can incrementally check things off and get things done to like reach a giant, giant goal. <laughs> I freaking love sprints, Carissa. You're like speaking my language. <laughs> Ideally, I, I would love to see myself in a position down the road where I could do long sprints and then take like short sabbaticals, essentially, like work your ass off for like a month at work and then have like a month off. <laughs> there are some companies out there that are actually starting to do that. And I think it's really a really interesting concept. I think there are some kinks that need to be ironed out, but I, I think I have the same brain as you, Carissa, where we like to organize something, but we can't over-organize or we get anxiety and stress. So if we can just kind of like package it into a cute little like two week thing and bust, 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 then we can kind of breathe and relax looking back on everything that we accomplished during that time. I like that. I should incorporate some more sprints into my new year. Yeah. That's why I, I that's why my life personally is week long sprints. So from a professional standpoint, I, it's funny because it's the exact opposite of what I've spoken about personally, I thrive in an environment professionally where I can check a box. So like as a career salesperson, it's, I have always had a number over my head. Like this is your quota in different industries. It's been daily. It's been weekly. It's been monthly. It's been quarterly. Um, you know, it's, it's very different in the current industry that we're, I'm in stay here at impulse, but I've worked in these environments where I knew that like, on Monday, I need to sell X amount of dollars because if I don't, I'm getting fired on Friday. So like, but I thrived as a young salesperson kind of in that environment where it was very much like, these are the five things you need to do to be successful here. And it was very like, did it, did it, did it. Okay, now I, now I get my bonus. I get my raise. I get my next commission, right? It was all very financially driven, right? It was all very... That is a money motivator. That's the only thing that they had going for them at this specific organization. And still to this day though, as 
I've changed, obviously, as a human, I've grown. Um, there are other things that are important to me, not just like the dollars I'm putting into my purse, you know, about my career and my goals and family life, all these other things that like boxes that I check along the way. But I still thrive professionally in knowing that there are guardrails and goalposts about where I am, where I need to go and how I'm going to get there. And I think that SMART goals for my role seem to resonate because you, I can plan them out long-term. Like, you know, like I have to hit X amount of dollars this year and then we work backwards and reverse engineer how many meetings do I have to have a week? Like how many leads have to come in to have those meetings? Like just what we do for our clients, we do for me. And so I, for me, SMART goals, which I know we're going to talk about here in a little bit, resonate with, I think, my annual goal and then the people in play who need to help me like the marketing team at Impulse has to help me meet my goal, right? That's, it's a really nice mix. Um, sprints don't work for me in this role at this company. Again, like when I was like slinging payroll in South Philly, that sprint mindset was great because I had weekly, bi-weekly, monthly goals that like literally you get fired if you don't meet. And so like, I had to think day to day, week to week. But now I have the luxury, I think, of having these, grander, smart set goals where I can say, it's okay if I don't make this month because I'm building a pipeline that's going to make next month double, right? And so it's very interesting. I'm literally split down the middle when it comes to goal setting. Personally, hard pass. Professionally, must have or don't feel like I'm achieving something. So it's very interesting. You guys are talking about that like left brain, right brain. And I don't know what it is, whether I failed myself personally so many times and I'm like, I've given up on it. But like professionally, it's very important for me. And I love that we're going to start talking a little bit now about like smart goals. And Julie, I know for like your team at work, you guys talk goals all the time with your clients, um, you know, with the team itself. Like, how do you see that driving into 2021? from a goal setting standpoint? Like what is the team doing that's making sense for our clients? Yeah, so 2021 is interesting because there's still a lot of unknown. Is I could stop that sentence there. There's still a lot of unknown. So it's an interesting time to be making goals and setting goals with clients. Um, some of our clients are sort of back to more of a business as usual mindset and are adjusting their expectations for 2021 based on 2020, but really looking to 2019 to see what's more of the trajectory that we should be factoring in. And I love that. Um, some of our clients have actually said to us, so 2020 really wasn't that bad for us, but it's because of the work we did in 2018 and 2019 and our pipeline actually offsets by a year or more. So we're expecting late 2021 into 2022 and 2023 to be more challenging for us. So what I really appreciate in situations like that is our clients just know their business and their customer base so intimately that they can say, okay, here's the offset that we need to think about. Um, and here's why in this industry with this customer base in this, avenue. Here's why we need to adjust here. And then we can do that reverse engineering process with them. Um, I love that. And I do really like the SMART goals framework as a framework. 
Uh, I think SMART goals can be really scary and sometimes foolish, but the idea of thinking through every step of that framework is what I find to be the most helpful. Uh, so the it's really easy as a business to say like, well, we want to be a $10 million business this year. Right. And you've hit on a couple of the pieces of the SMART goals framework, uh, but you haven't hit them all. And that's where we can go in and talk to a client about the other pieces of the puzzle that they may not be thinking about. Uh, there's also a concept of the smarter goals framework, right? I know I like it a little bit more. I'm going to be totally honest. Um, and it's really just about giving yourself the ability to evaluate and readjust to those goals. Um, is right. that what ER is, is evaluate and readjust? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Yes, ma'am. But I think though that like, do you know anyone who sets a smart goal and doesn't evaluate? Because that don't feel smart. I do. See, that to me is like shocking. Like, so, and let, let me break it down though. Like my quota doesn't change but the way we reach my quota, she might change. So that sure. would be breaking the SMART goal. Is yes or no? I was a question, I'm sorry. I mean, it could be, it could be. Um, so if a component of your SMART goal is um, like your quota is based on selling a certain percentage of recurring versus one-time versus product-based um, work and revenue, right? And that's part of your SMART goal and it's part of your plans to achieve your goal. And then that changes, well, your goal has changed. Mm. Um, so the question I often ask clients, right, is, okay, so we we're looking at like five numbers here, right? Maybe we're looking at a total revenue goal. We're hitting, we're looking at hitting um, like revenue by type and then maybe some conversion rate type of goals. Right. And you have to ask yourself, which of those is the most important? Because it's very likely, especially from a marketing standpoint, maybe something takes off in a way we weren't anticipating, which is fabulous, but it might affect those other numbers, but still be contributing to your greater revenue goal. But you could have a situation where you don't want that. So you could say, let's say it's a SaaS company um, and they have a blog post that's doing really well. And that blog post is uh, more about a service type of work than it is actually about software adoption. And all of a sudden they start getting a ton of leads that are more service oriented. And they're really into the service part of that SaaS, but they don't actually wanna buy the software. Um, I could very easily be hitting a lead goal for that client but we're probably not getting to their demo requests goal at that point. We're probably not hitting a, an opportunities goal or a sales goal with all those leads. So you can really easily say, well, you gave me this smart goal of getting this many leads and we're doing that. So the rest's on you, right? And some really great BDRs out there will probably take those service conversations and transform them into really great opportunities right? But it can't just be that to rely on hitting the goal. Right. So those are times when like, you got to know which number is the most important. Interesting. And it's not always the revenue number. It could be that conversion rate number that I mentioned, because it could be, listen, we'd love to be here by the end of the year. But what we really know is this conversion rate 
from lead to opportunity is not good. It's not where we need it to be. Our appointment setting isn't where we need it to be. And we want to be here in three to five years. Right. And if we can't fix this piece, we can't get there in five years. Right. So how do we translate this? Because I think that's great. It's like re-engineering, rethinking, reevaluating. so key to, so very, so key. That wasn't words. Um, <laughs> is key for success. So how do we recommend for our listeners, like, look, if you're looking to set some professional goals at your organization today, like, can we, can you ladies help me share like two or three things that you feel like is going to make them really successful professionally in, um, you know, this, this upcoming year? Um, I personally believe that studying the anatomy of your current customers that are thriving is really important in order to understand who you need to attract because it's, it's exactly, it's going off the point of what Julie just said. Like you could have 200 attended demos a month and you think you, in order to make 70 sales, you need to have 200 or more demos attended a month. But if you end up getting a higher conversion rate from a better quality lead, you don't need 200 attended demos a month right? Like if they're, if it's a better quality lead, you don't need that. So it's really taking a look at the anatomy of who you have and understanding how to get more of them and create a process repeat. So building a, an ICP, right? An ideal client profile and knowing who your buyer is and better honing on that messaging, attracting those people, and then creating some goals around those people. Well, yeah. Cause sometimes if you just take a look at like, especially when you're just trying to make sales and you're just trying to make numbers, like that's totally understandable. Anybody that will buy, like you want them to buy and that's fabulous. But at a certain point you have to take a step back and it's like, are you working harder, not smarter? Mm. Yes. Amen. Love that. Resources properly. So if you're not taking a look at the anatomy of your, you know, looking at your account management department, looking at who your current customer actually is, do you want more of the same ones you have? Or are there a couple that are just stellar in their own way and you want to study them more and then you reverse engineer? Love that. Jen, what say you? What what do you think would be on your list for for someone listening to really juice up their professional goals for this upcoming year? I think what I want to say around that is let go of these very specific metrics and start to realize that there are a lot of unmeasurables out there, like the way that you make your customers feel or building um, really long-term loyal customers. Those things sometimes just can't be tracked. You can't stamp them and put a number on it. So I think put more of an emphasis in 2021 on those delight metrics instead of everything all up to like acquiring the lead and closing a customer. We fixate so heavily on these things and then neglect the current customers that we have that can really be one of our strongest assets for um, making those goals that we have for those other things easier. They end up helping you, lending a helping hand. So I would say step back from the metrics and the numbers and start thinking of ways that you can really make your customer feel good. I love that. 
We all need a little feel good this year. That's for sure. Julie, do you want to share any imparting words about setting companies setting themselves up for success or people at companies setting themselves up for success? I think my best advice is probably just be realistic in terms of what you can actually accomplish um, and accomplish those things and then continue to stretch from there. Yeah. Uh, that's probably my, my biggest tip for setting professional, personal company, et cetera, goals is having that lens of realism of, um, can we really do this? I love that. And I think maybe I'll just end with being like nimble. I think we learned last year that sometimes you're going to set goals for yourself and they're, everything's going to blow up in your face and you can't always control that. And so being able to be nimble and thoughtful about how you do pivot if necessary, and then pivoting for success overall, like, and again, professionally and personally, like being able to pivot is huge when things blow up in your face. Um, So I would say being nimble is something that enabled me to continue growing last year personally and professionally without feeling like I failed. Um, So be kind to yourself as you move forward in 2021. You still have time to quit whatever bad habits you have held on to from last year or quit good habits and go nasty girl, do you? Like whatever is gonna get you through is what you need to do right now. Eat the cookies, bottom line, if you want. (laughs) (laughs) As Abby says every day after dinner, can I have a special treat now, mommy? And I just think we all need a special treat sometimes. Treat yourself. Sadly, that'll do it for this week's episode of Maiden Voyage. We'd like to thank you, our amazing listeners, because let's face it, lady life is hard. It's incredible how much we accomplish every day, and we all deserve awards just for existing. If you're watching the show, make sure that you subscribe, click on that thing for instant notifications, speak your mind in the comments, and share us with your fellow voyagers.